We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, what a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Let's go! Are you ready, Toby Rowland? I'm ready, although I need a new eardrum after that. Yeah, no, I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Sorry. I had an extra cup of coffee this morning. You know, it's National Coffee Day. As Is we it? Take this. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that. I don't need a day to celebrate my love of caffeine and coffee, so that's always a good thing. Uh, we do the Sooner Sports Podcast live. It's called The Game Plan every single Tuesday, right after the Lincoln Rally press conference. Your reaction, I've got the laptop set up right next to us, so we, we can get your Facebook comments and react to them after what was, I think we both feel, pretty surprising Saturday based on the way things played out between Oklahoma and Kansas State. More on that game coming up in just a bit. But, Toby, our first thing we like to do here on the game plan is to look back on what Lincoln Riley just said. What stood out to you from Lincoln's meeting, Zoom meeting with the media? Well, uh, he can't wait to play again. Uh, He can't wait for 6.30 Saturday night to get here. And that's not surprising. I think that uh, when you get beat, anytime you get beat, you can't wait for the next day. He uh, said the mistakes that, that they saw are correctable. On film, on film, which is uh, good to know going forward. He's got confidence in his guys. He's got confidence in Spencer Rattler going forward. Uh, he said they didn't make many mistakes on defense looking back, but the ones that they did, Kansas State did a good job of making them pay for it. And um, they got to get on a run with takeaways, and I think we all uh, agree on that. It is baffling that there has been so much emphasis put on taking the ball away the last couple of years, and they just can't seem to make it happen. So one takeaway through two games, we saw a stark evidence, unfortunately, of how important those takeaways can be on Saturday because K-State got four of them. So uh, hopefully on Saturday night up in Ames, the Sooners can start to find a way to uh, get a pick, get a fumble, 
and let that become contagious and see if they can pile a few up. You know, it's and you say four. I guess you can add the turnover on downs yeah. if you would like. But also in that, T-Row, that, that didn't really hurt this team. You know, they had the turnover on downs, but then they forced a three and out right after it. So, I mean, that's frustrating. It's just here, here's what's amazing. This oh, in such control, 35 to 14, you just you kind of looked at it at that point, and said, OK, there's been a couple of turnovers by Spencer Rattler. Uh, it's been frustrating. That's going to happen with the freshman. But man, when that thing started rolling downhill, it never stopped. And I liked I'm using this quote that Lincoln Riley dropped because someone had asked about the balance between being the offensive coordinator and if that uh, makes it more difficult. But Lincoln said, I need to do a better job because I need to do a better job. And I think that was one of the greatest quotes ever. And T. Rowe, <laughs> to me, I think that permeates throughout everybody, right? You need to do a better job because you need to do a better job in all aspects of the game. And our buddy Teddy Lehman has constantly talked about one area that he's, he was frustrated with, that was special teams. Yeah, they got to be better there. First off, Lincoln was also the head coach and offensive coordinator in Waco last year. That's right. When they were down big at halftime and roared back to win. So I, I think that's a little bit of a silly line of thinking. Yeah. Um, no, I think but special teams has not been an area of strength for Oklahoma other than maybe at the place-kicking game in recent years. I mean, you just think back, there have not made – very many big plays, you know, blocking punts or blocking field goals. They have not made very many big plays in the punt return or kickoff return game. What's the last kickoff return that they had for a touchdown? Was it Joe Mixon against Ohio State? I think it was. I think it was. Since then? I, so, I mean, there was a, a period of time around here when Antonio Perkins was returning punts and JT Thatcher was very dangerous at that. And, and in uh, the kickoff return game where D.D. Westbrook was a great kick returner. I yeah, think, it was. Where they made big plays in special teams, both in the return game and blocking some kicks. And Gabe Burkich has been great. Austin Cyber before him was great. I want to give them their credit. But when you look at games they've lost, and this has been Teddy's point, when you look at games they've lost over the last several years, they've lost the special teams in virtually every one of those. And that happened again on Saturday. So... I don't know what the answer is there, but hopefully they can start to make some big plays again on both sides of that. Quick look at the final numbers. I mean, again, you look at the stats and everything is in favor of Oklahoma, except one, and that's the turnovers and the score. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) score four two, unfortunately, but turnovers and you turn the ball over four times. I I will say it seemed like a very whistle happy crew on Saturday. I think correct total of 23 penalties that uh, were called on Saturday. But they won the time of possession. I was blown away. I hadn't really looked at the final stats when I saw when I saw that they had a five-minute advantage in time of possession and the first downs. They had 18 more first downs. We forget Kansas State had two, what, 72-yard plays that they didn't score on, 72-yard plus. And I don't know if that's ever happened. They still Hard were to able do. to punch them in. But it, it, it was the big plays late, unfortunately, that were too much. Yeah, leave this graphic up for a second if you don't mind. If I tell you before the game, OU is going to win time of possession by four or five minutes because that's against Kansas State. That just, you know, that's pretty rare. Last year in Manhattan, it was dominated by Kansas State. OU wins time of possession. They outgain them by over 100 yards. They hold them to 66 yards rushing, and K State commits 13 penalties. You'd say, oh, I mean, this OU might have won by 40 right. that day. But that's the power of turnovers, and it really was a collect and, and a blocked punt. 
and a turnover on downs. You know, OU did not punt in this game until the fourth quarter. It's wild. They either scored or turned the ball over on every possession until the fourth quarter. So, it, you know, it's hard to fathom when you just look at the numbers how Oklahoma lost this football game. But it, it happened because they had a complete meltdown across the board late in the third and, and throughout the entire fourth quarter. Offense uh, did not play good football. Defense gave up big plays. Special teams uh, gave up the block punt. So all that combined led to a shocking defeat. I think T.J. Pledger said it in his meeting with the media moments ago. Lincoln Riley referred to it a couple weeks ago. Running the football, it's an 11-man process. Everyone has to block and do their job. Then the running back has to do their job. But it still kind of blew my mind whenever we went to halftime, for those that don't get a chance to listen to every single second of the Sooner Radio Network, we have a feature as we go to halftime called the Riverwind First Half Difference Maker. And my first half difference maker, Toby, was this running game. And T.J. Pledger, you know, specifically because they had amassed more yards in the first half than they did the entire game against Kansas State last year. I think it was 107 in the first half. And last year against Kansas State, they ran for 102. And, you know, Pledger looked really good during stretches in the first half. But, again, they came out of the locker room in the second half, and they just weren't able to run the football. And... Again, I know that everyone likes to think air raids, spread the ball around, but this is this is an offense that that is based in running the football, and they just weren't able to get it done in the second half. Yeah, that's what's made it so difficult uh, under Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley is the balanced approach. When a defense has to respect your running game, like you've had to respect uh, Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan and Rodney Anderson, and the last couple of years Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon then uh, it, it forces your hand defensively, and, and that allows all kinds of open things in the passing game. It, this is an offensive line issue, I think. I don't think it's a running back issue. I think it's an offensive line issue. And I'm worried and confident at the same time. I, I'm confident because the track record under Bill Biedenboe has been that they started slow a few years. And then as the years gone along, they've become dominant. I had hoped they wouldn't start slow this year because they had so many guys returning and because of all the optimism that you heard coming from Bill Biedenboe, the rare, the rare right. jocularity that you heard out of him. But they started slow, and it's worrisome because you've got Iowa State and Texas coming up next, and I don't know. It's not like you have all season for them to gel and be okay. I mean, they may be looking at two or three losses if they don't get it together now. So uh, the offensive line has been a strength of this team for many, many years. But right now, whether it's in run blocking or pass protection, it's really been a struggle for them early in the season. Now they're going to go up against Jaquan Bailey, who had three and a half sacks against TCU last week, a difficult and different-looking defense in Iowa State that has given – much more experienced quarterbacks fits the last few years. Uh, Baker Mayfield lost to these guys. And Kyler Murray and, and Jalen Hurts had a handful with them, too. So uh, Spencer Rattler's got his work cut out for him. And more to the point, the offensive line's got their work cut out for him Saturday night names. Again, on the podcast side of things, you can't see the Iowa State highlights. we got to work on that technology, Toby, where we can hit a button on a podcast and you can watch the video. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, but you mentioned Jaquan Bailey back. And, yeah, we had a chance to talk to Drake Stoops, and he even brought it up. You know, with John Eacock's defensive system, 
you know, they'll drop all those defensive backs and they still have a way of getting after you and, and affecting the pocket with a three-man rush. You got eight guys, seven guys that are dropping. It's it's not only a challenge for a quarterback to find a place, but I thought Drake Stoops brought up a great point. There's blocking responsibilities that change too for running backs on plays. So it's it's unique what they've done. Um, teams are starting to figure it out. But in that same vein, it doesn't mean that it's easy. I mean, TCU had a couple touchdown passes. We're seeing one right here. But this is arguably one of the more unique defensive schemes that you face throughout the season. Yeah, that's right. And um, the the key is if they're only going to rush three guys, and they are a, a whole bunch of the time anyway, they'll mix in a blitz here or there. But if they're only going to rush three guys, you've got to give Rattler all day back there. I mean, you should be able to give him time. They're unbelievably creative at being able to get pressure on a quarterback only rushing three. But that can't happen. I mean, you cannot have eight guys in coverage and a quarterback having to rush the throw at the same time. You know, I, uh, I, I think it also boils down to this Eric Loffenberg. You guys are getting it out in the comments, so you, you keep that rolling here on Facebook. But Eric Loffenberg, right, you got to keep the ball. Can't turn it over. I know that I know that, that is kind of that keep it simple mindset. But, Toby, I think it just comes down to that in this game going going forward, and they're going to have games this year where with the freshman quarterback, they're going to turn it over. Iowa State is a phenomenal team when it forces turnovers, as are a majority of football teams, but they've got to protect the football on Saturday because with guys like Mike Rose, Jaquan Bailey, with Johnny Gox's defense, they're going to find ways to have success if they're able to force turnovers, and the Sooners show the proclivity to do that on Saturday. This is a good team. Iowa State kind of mirrors what I was saying about the OU offensive line. I think they have started slow uh, traditionally, uh, habitually through the years. They did it again this year by losing to Louisiana in their opener, and they get better and better as the year goes along. They've got to be riding a little bit of confidence to go down to Fort Worth and get a victory in their Big 12 opener on the road. They're going to have fans, I believe. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. They're going to have 25% of the stadium, which is – 15,000 people there, which they didn't have any for their opener. So 15,000 is going to feel like 100,000 up there. And it's going to be a a night game, chilly up there in Ames on the natural grass that they let grow really long. So it slows down a team with with good speed like Oklahoma has. So this is going to be a war. It's a big time gut check for an Oklahoma team that just got shocked. I mean, they're staggered right now. What happened to them on Saturday was staggering. Right. For them to get back up off the deck go on the road for the first time, face a good football team with a good defense and some NFL guys on offense and beat them in their house, that would be a pretty good statement to make. By the way, one sidebar from something Lincoln said today that stood out to me, uh, he was asked about how he has an affinity for Matt Campbell and respects what he's been able to do. And it it came back to something that always stands out. And Gabe Eichert talks about it a lot. Teddy talked about it a lot. They have good players. And he went, Lincoln was bringing up how scouts will come and ask him about certain guys on his team, and then they'll say, hey, is there anyone, NFL scouts that is, is there anyone on the opposing teams that maybe we haven't seen yet or that we need to be keeping an eye on? And, and Lincoln specifically mentioned Alan Lazard. And if you haven't paid attention to the NFL yet, Alan Lazard is having a heck of a start to the season for the Green Bay Packers. Hakeem Butler just got picked up on a practice squad. David Montgomery is a guy who's on the Bears, but he's battling an injury right now. Brock Purdy, many think, is an NFL quarterback. Tiro, Matt Campbell's done a really nice job, not just in his system, not just in his mindset, just not just in the fact that he's going, I think, for the fourth straight winning season for Iowa State since, like, the 1910s. 
but they've they've really been able to bring in pretty good players and that makes them a problem they, they've brought in good players and they have brought in guys who don't have a ton of stars next to their name and developed them into big-time players uh Brees hall can go he's good um they the, all of the tight ends can go but charlie kolar's from around here he's a big-time player they got Jaquan Bailey, Greg Eisworth, Mike Rose on defense. Those are NFL guys. Brock Purdy is an NFL guy probably. Now, he's off to a, a slower start this year. But, you know, they brought it. They found diamonds in the rough. They found diamonds in the rough. And then they have been able to develop guys into a system that they believe in, especially defensively. Everybody's bought in on. And uh, it's worked well for them. By the way, Oklahoma has done incredibly well historically in this series, but it's been a different world the last few years because, I mean, let, let's face it, back in the day, Iowa State was kind of like that, uh, they, you would say automatic win, right? You're going to play Iowa State, you're going to get that win. Much like Baylor back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Now, it's it's a battle. Now, Parnell Motley's play in the end zone last year. Even go back to the... Uh, even going back to the, what, uh, 2000, what would that be, 18 season when Kyler had to go on the road, yep. had his big-time performance down the stretch. He threw for 348 yards and two scores, as you see. Sooners have won 76. They've only lost six, and they've tied twice. But suddenly, these games have become dogfights year in and year out, and that's all about Matt Campbell. Yeah, he's done a nice job. I think Oklahoma's played better in Ames against Iowa State than they have in Norman. Um, I mean, I know they have in recent years. So hopefully that trend continues. Was it last time we were up there? Was it a Thursday night or was that? That was two trips ago. That was ago, two trips it? ago, yeah. Yeah. Last time we had, that's right. Last time we had an 11 a.m. game with the, we almost all died of heat exhaustion in the radio <laughs> booth. Um, now, it's a good team. A lot of people don't know. If you haven't been up to Ames, you should go either for basketball or football sometime. You should make a road trip. That is a rabid fan base. Uh, they really support that team. They've got the third largest stadium in the Big 12. Jack Trice Stadium seats 60,000. They've made renovations to it in recent years, and it's really nice. And then, of course, they've got Hilton Coliseum, which is kind of legendary in basketball circles. But it's a uh, it's an interesting place to go, and uh, they got a good football team, so it's going to take a great effort Saturday night. And speaking of a great effort, it was a great effort down the stretch last year where Oklahoma pulled off the win late. Uh, this, this was a game that was... In a lot of ways, T. Rowe, kind of similar yeah. to Saturday's right. game where they dominated. Look at that fourth quarter. Yeah, they dominated. It was 35-14 at the half, and then you had to hold on for dear life in that fourth quarter. But it kind of shows you this is another team you're going up against on Saturday that has a never-quit attitude, never-say-die, never-quit attitude, and you're going to have to play to the final whistle regardless of what your lead is, regardless of what the score is. Yeah, they're tough. Um, they have they have a confidence against Oklahoma because how they've played them in recent years, they feel like, whether it's true or not, they feel like they understand how to slow down this Oklahoma offense, maybe better than anybody defensively else in this conference. And um, so they're not... When, when OU walks onto the field a lot of times in those traditional jerseys, with all of those conference and national titles and Heisman trophies, it's worth a, th a few points, you know, because you get the uh, you get a little intimidation factor working for you. And I'm sure for a lot of years that was the case with Iowa State too, uh, but not right now. Iowa State feels some confidence when they play Oklahoma. By the way, um, 
watching these highlights, how good was C.D. Lamb? Holy smokes, he's off to a nice start. <laughs> how With open the, is that guy? Charlie Killer was pretty open last year. But again, uh, you're in for a dogfight. Every time you go up and play in Ames, you know, they're thirsty. I, I keep going back to a lot of things that Teddy and, and Gabe say. And I know some fans, and, and I'm part of this too. You see that Iowa State lost its opener to Louisiana. You, you maybe saw one highlight of the Iowa State TCU game, and it was Brock Purdy panicking and throwing the ball up in the air, and the TCU guy ran it back for a touchdown. But you're going to see a different team on Saturday than you've seen at any point this season for Iowa State. You get – it doesn't matter who it is, Toby. It doesn't matter what their tape looks like. It doesn't matter how poorly they played. Come game day against Oklahoma, it's their Super Bowl. They want to go yeah. out and show their fans that they can beat the best. And Oklahoma's got to be ready for it. And with Lincoln Riley and that coaching staff, you know they're going to be well prepared. And they're, they've got the support of the rest of the conference on their side. <laughs> it's a chance to bury the champs, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. OU's won five straight of these things. And if Iowa State could get them on Saturday, they'd be 0-2 in conference play and uh, Iowa State on behalf of the rest of the league is hoping to make that happen on the other hand you know I look ahead to the bye week Chris OU's got two games before their next bye week at Iowa State in Texas they could be three and one and if they are if they've gone two aims and one and if they've won the Red River showdown then we're looking around saying all right this team got off the mat here's what's ahead how can they get back in the college football playoff picture What's the path look like in front of them to a six straight title? Uh, they could be one and three. And if that's the case, then uh, this, you know, it's not going to be a lot of fun around this place. So <laughs> we'll see. I think the next two weeks are going to be very telling for what the 2020 season looks like. Vance Miller brings up a really good point on the Facebook comments. He says someone mentioned it earlier. They have two seniors starting. It's a young team, so I'm trying to not be harsh, but this seems like uh, the same story in a different year. Well, yeah, they've, they've lost a game. I mean, the last time they've, they've had a team that goes undefeated was 2000. T. Rowe, it's hard to run the gamut. And when you're the target every single week, but yeah, this is a very young team still. And we were watching the highlights of the Iowa State game. They're replacing CeeDee Lamb. It's a redshirt freshman starting at quarterback. We, it looks like it might be a true freshman that ends up being one of the best receivers on this team in Marvin Mims. It's young, it's young defensively. And they went back to back. To back, to back, yeah. to back. I mean, that doesn't matter. I, 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 some places that does matter. You know, right. uh, you go into rebuilding modes and then you circle a season. This is what we're building toward. Not at Oklahoma. That's right. Not, not at Ohio State. Not at Alabama. Not at the big boy programs. Um, you, whenever you put on that helmet, those pads, you're playing to win the national championship every year. So uh, they are young. There's no doubt they are young and, and maybe they will be better next year, but. I bet back in 2000, you know, they weren't saying, wow, look at this team. I think this is the year we're going to win the national right. championship. It's about chemistry. It's about finding it. And who knows? Anything's possible. We may be looking back in two months at that Kansas State game saying, thank goodness it happened because it brought this team together. And, and now they're in a position to do something special. Well, we, we know that was the case last year with the team meeting that took place afterwards and everyone came together. By the way, two, two more quick ones, Toby, and then we'll let you get out of here. Number one, I found it fascinating uh, on your radio show this morning to hear there's some people that want to point the finger and say, how dare the defense? Others want to point the finger and say, but the offense, there's all, it, it, then there's the special teams. I mean, it's, it's always interesting whenever you find factions that are standing up for one side when, when you stop and you realize it's a whole team. That, that's yeah. what it takes, all three aspects of the game. Yeah, they're, they're all right. I mean, all three sides <laughs> let them down on Saturday. Right. Uh, offense broke down in the fourth quarter. The 
the defense broke down in the fourth quarter and the special teams broke down in the fourth quarter. So um, after you lose a game at the University of Oklahoma, people are angry and, and rightfully so. And so, yeah, everybody's feeling the brunt of it right now. I bet you were a terrible sideline reporter on Saturday. Chris. I was. I don't remember, but probably especially in the fourth quarter you were back. You, you add that to it? Then it was every aspect of the right. game that fell apart. Uh, and then I'll add this. Uh, for those that are listening to us on the podcast side of things, the Lincoln Riley presser from earlier today is coming up next. But, Toby, we want to invite everyone out to Rudy's. You and Ted are out there for two hours right. tonight from 6 p. until 8 p. Central. And Lincoln Riley joins you via Zoom from 7 to 8. And it's been a fun show. Yeah, come on down. It's a lot of fun. Grab yourself some barbecue. Watch the TV show unfold. You can see a Butkus award-winning linebacker live and in the flesh in front of you. We have a lot of fun. The first uh, show, The Huddle, will uh, talk all things Big 12, all things Sooners, all things college football, and then uh, we get a whole hour to pick the brain of Lincoln Riley as well after that. Don't forget Thursday's Spotlight. Oh, by the way, speaking of games that can tell you a lot about losing your mind, our flashback show is the Kansas game. I was talking to Chuck Long about this the other day on the podcast, and he's like, that's a very forgettable game during that 2000 and run, uh, that 2000 championship run. Toby, we've had a couple of those. Go back to what, Arkansas State and yeah. the UTEP Rice. games. Rice, they did. It's, but they still won a national championship, so don't stay down for too long. Then, of course, we'll have Sooner Sports game day on Friday night and Saturday morning. Toby, have a great evening. Can't wait to listen to get Rudy's. Thank you, bud. And we'll see you on Saturday pregame show at 4.30 to get you ready for the 6.30 kick on the Sooner Radio Network. Have a great start to your week and Boomer Sooner, everybody. All right, thank you, Chris. Uh, good, good to see everybody. Um, uh, yeah, it's been a, been, a, been a great week of practice so far. Uh, certainly, you know, excited to see how our team will respond from, you know, the first, obviously, true adversity we faced on the field together and, um, you know, been, been proud of the way that we've worked and obviously got a long way to go as a team, but certainly, you know, very... Uh, you know, disappointed in the results Saturday, uh, disappointed in a lot of the things we did, excited about a lot of the things we did, uh, and certainly, you know, does not hamper, you know, our team's excitement, our staff's excitement about this team and what this team can be. You know, this is a long journey ahead, and, uh, and we get that. So we're uh, looking forward to getting up to, to Ames to play a, a really good Iowa State team. You know, I've, I've talked a lot about how much I think of Matt Campbell as a head coach, and he's got a really good staff. Those guys do a... Tremendous job on both sides. You know, a lot of players back. This is a very experienced football team um, in a lot of key areas. You know, and they've, they've obviously won a lot of games together. And, and we've had some some fun battles with them over the years. So uh, looking forward to, to this next one. And, you know, after one like that, the thing you can't wait to do is just is to get back on the field and go back at it. And so Saturday uh, at 6.30, cannot get here soon enough. Thanks, Coach. We'll get to questions. We'll begin with Ryan Avery. Yeah, Lincoln, over these last three days, how what are some of the changes that you've uh, looked at on the defensive side of the ball and uh, how many of those maybe uh, are, are personnel related, especially if you look at some of those, those young guys and, and maybe uh, giving some of them uh, a, a bigger opportunity? Uh, I mean, I think that's ongoing for us. I, I think that's something that, you know, whether you win by 50 or lose by 50 or anywhere in between, I, I think you're, we're, we're always doing that. Uh, this year has added new wrinkles in that with the COVID um, and the, the rosters changing. You're, I think, constantly trying to get more and more guys ready to play. I think everybody's doing that. Um, and so I, I think that part has certainly been different. And then I think also 
not just who's available on game day, but also, you know, who's been available to practice. You know, who are the guys that have missed, you know, 14 or 25 days or 28 days because of because of this deal that maybe normally would not have that, are, you know, that are, you know, really like a month behind, uh, not to mention not having spring ball for those guys that would have been here there. So we've just got so many guys at, at so many different levels of it. Um, but, uh, you know, when we look at it, I think the, the mistakes that we made on, on all the sides are, are correctable. Uh, they're, you know, things that we have to do better from a coaching perspective uh, and, and certainly things that our players have to do better too. Uh, but it's not – when we go back and look at it, it's not like you say this one thing cost us or this one side of the ball was so bad. I mean, both sides, you know, both sides really played some really quality ball. I mean, really did. And then both sides made some just, you know, really, you know, horrendous mistakes that, that ended up giving Kansas State life. And so uh, you learn from them. Um, this is game three, and we'll be ready to take some steps, and I would expect we'll play much better. Appreciate it. I thought we fit the run game uh, much better than we did uh, in, in the first game against Missouri State. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a big key. Um, I thought several of the guys individually played played quite a bit better than what they did. I think we. Um, as far as the negative, I mean, I think the, the penalties, you know, and a couple of times we got out of the pocket and put our guys in tough positions, but we had a couple of just, I think, unnecessary holding penalties that all seemed to be on, on pretty big plays, um, you know, especially that, you know, Spencer's long scramble there uh, at the end. Um, and then I, a couple of times we got beat in one-on-one pass pro there uh, in the last couple of drives where we, where we absolutely expect to be better. So um, I thought improved. It was good to play. You know, a couple of other guys um, that I think are going to be contributors for us as this year goes on, and, and I think we've got more competition in that room. So, I mean, you know us. We got a pretty high expectation of uh, of that group. So, um, they were good, but we need them to be better. Yeah, I mean, I'm never one to go too in depth about my one-on-one conversations with players, but this is just the natural evolution of a quarterback. I mean, this is this is what happens. I mean, you know, you you know, you know, 85, 90 percent of what Spencer did was either really good or or, or fabulous on uh, on Saturday, uh, but a couple of mistakes, uh, you know, were really you know really really cost us our offense, our team, and so uh, he's got to learn from those. Um, Learn from the entire situation. It's a tremendous opportunity for for him to grow and and gain some experience and make him more ready as we continue to go on down the year. But you know, I'm I'm really excited about a lot of the things he's doing, and I know the things that need to get better. We we together will both get cleaned up. No, I have confidence in our guys. I do. I don't. <clears throat> I mean, the things that I saw that happened, 
in that game are, are easily correctable. And, and like you said, that's something that we've really, you know, done a good job of limiting. You know, our scheme is, is our, our coaches do a good job of making it pretty simple to understand, although it can look complex. Um, and that's, uh, I think, I think most great schemes have that in common. And so, uh, you know, we had a couple of mental errors, you know, and, and listen, there's times that you have mental errors that the guy doesn't get there, you know, and, and they bust it, we bust the coverage and, you know, the quarterback doesn't see it or the protection's not there to get to it or whatever. So, um, but it, it obviously is more glaring on the outside when you get exposed. So it's, it's certainly not like we haven't been mistake free. We've, we've made some mistakes. Kansas State in the second half did a good job of making us pay. Um, you know, we didn't make honestly that many, but the ones we made were big ones and they made us pay for it. I mean, it was just, they were in the right place at the right time. So, uh, we got to be better. You just you can't, and especially it's going to be important in this next stretch because we're playing. You know, we're playing. I mean, I was thinking about the other night. I think maybe us and I don't know. I, not many. I think just about everybody has their quarterback back, um, and so we're playing. We're playing a bunch of guys that have played a lot of ball, and so you can't help them any. You can't give them a gift if you bust one and give body somebody a, you know, five yard hitch underneath or whatever. Okay, we can rally from that, but you can't. You know, we gave them just two or three absolute gifts, you know, the other day when they could not get anything going. And that, those are the ones you just, you know, good defenses don't do that. I mean, that's just is what it is. So, you know, we have to be better, but very correctable and confident that our guys will get that done. Aaron Murdoch with Sooners Group and WWLS. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a fair point. I mean, it's uh, a loss, you know, especially a loss, any loss does, but a loss like that, you know, where you, you, you know, really gave away a golden opportunity to win the game, um, it does hit you different. Um, you certainly, you know, it's not like, you know, on the outside that when you win, you come in here and everybody's happy and everything's, you know, you, you ignore the things that don't need to get better. There's always things that have to improve, but does a loss make you feel different about it? Of course it does. I mean, it's human nature. It's... Uh, you know, we all invest so much in this, especially this year when a lot of us have sacrificed more than we ever have just to be able to have a season. And so uh, now it hits you. Um, and it's, it's, but the, the, the type of team you're going to be is going to be defined by your response. And, uh, and so that's how we're looking at it. This is our challenge to, to be the type of team we can be. And uh, I'm totally confident we have the right people in each of these rooms to get that done. Well, I think every moment for, for somebody that's new to play in the position at this level is a, is a teaching moment. Um, you know, you're going to go through ups and downs with that. That's that's part of it. And I think, 
I think one, I think look back to the, the people that have been in that room, you know, and everybody wants to talk about all the good things that those guys have done in the past several years. And there was a lot, but each one of them had really tough moments and struggles too. I mean, the, the struggle is just part of it. I mean, as there ain't a player in history that hasn't had the struggles. And I mean, that's, that's just, it's going to happen. And I think you're ultimately defined kind of like we said by a team, but quarterbacks are ultimately defined by how they respond to it as well. And uh, so that's the challenge, and he's a competitive kid. He's eager to learn. Uh, I have zero doubt in my mind that he's that he's uh, not going to take this and run with it in the correct direction. John Boomer with SI Tears and Jake Hale. Hey, Lincoln, I want to borrow from a phrase that you used recently um, about serving two masters. When it comes to holding on to leads in some of these games, could there be some of that going on in your in your case where you're trying to be both the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Can, can being the coordinator detract from being the head coach? Can being the head coach detract from your duties as coordinator? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, you know, I think maybe in my, my earlier years as I, you know, was was kind of trying to – not that and I don't have it all figured out now, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm giving in that area. I don't. Um, now – each and every week, do I come back just like a player and say there's things that I can do better? Yes, and a lot of times those things, sometimes they're in-game decisions, but most most in-game decisions are made well before you ever get to the game. Um, and it's and it's and it's the preparation and it's the overall mentality of a team going into it. And uh, I think I've I, there's things there with this team that I'd need to do a better job. Now I don't need to do a better job because I'm also the offensive coordinator, I need to do a better job because I need to do a better job. And uh, and I certainly can. And having the OC doesn't really have anything to do with that in my mind. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. James Hale with KREF and then Caleb McCurry. Lincoln, Iowa State played a lot better against TCU than they did in the season opener. I was wondering what you saw there. And defensively, they're unique. They have a great pass rusher. It looks like on the outside when they play almost eight deep yeah they've done a great job defensively in this league for a long time um uh you know they're they've got a really gifted defensive coordinator does a great job um you know they've done a great job adapting to, to the talent that they have you know and they've played in in this three-man front with a lot of different drop eight schemes for for a long time and and been uh, you know, really, I think the the standard in the country for for teams that have done that. So, um, you know, a lot of what you see in the Big Twelve, you see, you're starting to see it linger, uh, leaking into other conferences now. I've even started to see it a little bit more at the pro level. I think stems from from some of the things these guys are doing. So now they they do a tremendous job. No surprise that uh, you know that they would come back and respond and play a lot better after the loss that they had. I mean, with the with the staff and you know experienced quarterback, you know, a lot of good players, returning players. I mean, no no surprise. So uh, no, it's a fun challenge playing them. They 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 do a tremendous job. We have the utmost respect for them and their program. We'll go to Taylor McCurry with OU Daily and then Brandon Drum. Again, after last year's Kansas State loss, um, there was a team meeting um, right when you guys got back. Led by Jalen Hurts, uh, for this year, for this team right now, uh, after losses like these, who's the most vocal in uh, team meetings? Uh, we've got quite a few guys. You know, I think uh, we had some really, really strong leaders on that team last year, but I think we have some very strong leaders on this team as well. So, uh, you know, there's 
the uh, you know, I mean, of course, our two captains are, are, are very vocal and aggressive, and they've done a tremendous job, both both Creed and Pat. Um, you know, Ronnie Perkins, even though he hasn't been able to play, has still been a, I think, a pretty influential member there. Um, and we've got several others that have, have certainly not been afraid to step up and chime in. So that's what you want. You don't want one guy. You know, you want you want that kind of that that that, that leadership group and and several guys that are echoing the message and carrying the message and. Um, I've certainly seen that from this team so far. Brandon Brown with OU Insider and then Darren Hey Lincoln, you talked about uh, the not being able to give up those big plays. Obviously, five of the plays were 60% of what K State got offensively. Um, can as a defense, you just talked about the leaders. What what can they do to kind of keep that from Avalanche? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is understanding that not you know that giving up one one play here or there is not the end of the world. Um, and and you know sometimes when you're playing so well and your expectations are so high, um, like we were playing defensively, all of a sudden you know one or two happen and, and frustration starts to boil or panic starts to boil. And the key is you just you got to keep doing what you were doing and uh, and just and continue to stay the course. And and we've got to do a better job of that. And then and then the other thing is. You know, I would say at the at the at the secondary level, in particular, is you know, we, you know our our guys have got to got to eliminate when when something gets loose. You know, when a when a pass gets loose or when the one run all day does pop, we got to get the guy on the ground um, and finish tackles. And you know, that's every defense gives up a play here and there. Every now and then, a run's going to pop, a pass is going to pop, and. Again, does that pop for a 12 or even maybe 20-yard gain, or does a guy pop it and it turns into 40, 50, 60, 70? And again, that's you know we have bit we have done a really good job of that, but we need to we obviously you know didn't there several times in the second half. So um, our safeties, you know, our corners when they're back there have got to be eliminators, and then and then we just can't have the mental mistakes that give them the freebies. Lincoln, you, you took great comfort in, in the last uh, five years with your three quarterbacks, knowing that when adversity struck, they had the experience and the and the savvy to, to, to handle it, and they, they they proved that they did that you know over and over again with with, with such a, a pup and Spencer. Do you feel a need to, to step in and be more active in regard to getting him through his first moments of adversity, whether it's in games or over the course of the season, or does he does that have to be inherent regardless? For a guy. I don't. I don't think it's inherent. I think it. Uh, um, I, I do think it's a, a learned skill. Um, I think it's two things. But I think it's a learned skill, and then I do think it, it does come down to your natural confidence and belief in yourself. Um, and I, I believe that. Uh, I, I know he has that. Um, and honestly, I haven't spent any more time with him than I would have had we won the game. I mean, there's, there's so many coachable and teachable moments. You know, I mean, listen, we make one more play in that game. We're all sitting here. We're not having this conversation right now, but the issues are still there. I mean, we could, the game could have turned out exactly like, except they missed the 50-yard field goal, and then we drive down and score, and everybody wins, and everybody's happy. But the, the, other, the issues were still going to be there. And so they're still going to be the coachable, teachable moments. It has a little different emotion in it right now because of the disappointment, but it doesn't mean there's not still those moments. So it's every – snap everything that happens is such a way for him to grow our room to grow our trust to grow and and we do, we got to take advantage of that win or lose
Trey Tamer with the Oklahoman and then Dean Levis. Yeah, Lincoln, you've won five straight Big 12, but in recent years, you've, it's not like you've been killing everybody. You've won a bunch of close games. Is that an attribute uh, in your program? Is that just fortune? Is it a case of if you play enough close games, you're going to lose some of them? How do you, and how do you rationalize, or how, how do you look at all these close games you've been playing the last couple of years? Yeah, no, we have. We've we've uh, we've won a lot of close games, and and a lot of those we've made pretty big plays to to, to win those games in the end. So, uh, you know, I think that is. I think there's. You know, you always want to, if you have opportunities to, to put people away, which again, I think that's that's always a lot easier said than done. But if you have a chance to put people away, you always obviously want to do that. And we need to do that more. There's no there's no question about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it, probably a little bit of everything. Have we had, has there been a game here and there where we've had some fortune go away? Yes. I mean, did we have a lot of things out of our control that didn't go our way the other day? Yeah, sure we did. I mean, did we have a hand in it? Of course we did. I mean, there's, it's a little bit of everything. I don't know that there's a, that there's just one blanket answer, but I think the, the, the bottom line for us is we've got to play to our standard more consistently. That, that is the absolute bottom line for us. And we, as coaches, staff, leaders, every player, every person in this program, We've got to do a better job of getting that message across to our players and then executing that for as long as we possibly can on Saturdays. And, you know, we can, we can do better. I mean, there's no, no question about that, and, and we will do better. Uh, I don't, I honestly don't have any information on that. I've, I've heard nothing on either side of that, to be completely honest. No, heck no. No, you don't you don't back away from that. I mean, that's because we see what a game changer they are. And uh and so no, I, I've never I've never seen anything you get anything by de emphasizing it. You know, I think you I, I think you, you keep coaching it, you keep demanding it, you keep you keep finding different ways to emphasize it, to practice it. Um and you know, they're they're so the takeaways are so contagious, man. I mean they, they always are in football and, and so, you know, we need to we need to we need to get on a run with it. I mean, there's no question. I mean, it's the equalizer. I mean, you know, like the other day, you can outplay a team all you want for as long as you want, but if you lose the turnover margin big, it's uh, you know, it's that that equalizes the, the whole thing in a hurry. So, and and I think to be a great defense, um, and take that step from being good to great, you know, turnovers have to be a part of that. You know, does that mean you're going to lead the country in turnovers every single year? Maybe not, but it means you're going to get your fair share. And, and again, we don't see any reason in the world why we can't why we can't cause and and create a lot of turnovers defensively.
not really. I haven't been a whole lot of sleep this week. So, um, no, I just, I mean, listen, there is a lot of good things we're doing. That, that's, that's what happens when you, when you win one of those, like I think I referenced earlier in, in one of the other questions, when, when you win one of those questions, the, the notion is, well, we did good, move on to the next one and not look at the mistakes. And then when you lose one, that's all anybody will look, wants to look at is the mistakes. And the reality is when you go watch the film, there's no doubt. There's a lot of really good things we're doing. And honestly, we're doing several things defensively better than we did at any point last year, right now. Um, but you got to put it all together. Um, and you got to get guys on the ground. I mean, I think about like the, the angle route that K-State hits. All right, so they hit an angle route on you. All right, big deal. It's going to be a first down at midfield. You know, get the guy down. All right, so you miss one tackle. You're going to miss a tackle here. Now you got two more guys there. That's the critical mistake of those two guys that not getting them down that it turns into. And then you can't, like I said, you just, in this league with the experienced and, and good quarterback play like we have in the league right now, you just cannot give guys freebies. You have to make them earn every bit of it. And, uh, you know, we had a couple that we gave Skyler the other day that were absolute freebies that really got them going. I don't know. I don't know if we've lost one in September in a while. Um, kind of, I guess maybe some of the emotions of my what, my second year here when we lost to uh, Ohio State and Houston a little bit. Um, th this year's different, you know, just that we're you know, into conference so quick and all that's gone on. I don't know. It's, it's I, honestly, I mean, the losses, they all suck and they all hurt like hell and you just – you really kind of test your insides to, to go fight back. And uh, so, I mean, but, I mean, I've, I've, I've not had, despite the disappointment, I, zero doubt in what we can be and that we've just got to work harder and do better to get there and that we will get there. So, um, you know, it's a great challenge. I mean, all losses are. I mean, that's – that's one thing. That's one thing about OU, man. I mean, it's uh, that's 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 the standard here, and the standard's great. It takes you to great heights, but also when you have a down one, you can't let it beat you up. You got to be able to get back up and fight and get right back on track and play the way you should be, and that's that's going to be our challenge. And in that way, I don't know that it feels any different than any of the losses that we've had. We haven't had to experience it very much, but the the couple that we have had, um, I, I would say it doesn't feel that much different from. Yeah, no, I mean, I just think, you know, the way the way those guys play, um, you know, they've, they've found kind of a, a, a system that works for them. It looks like they've got a, a really good culture, at least from the outside. And the guys play hard. They play physical. Um, they've done a good job recruiting. Um, they found some really, really good players. And then, uh, and then they've done the, some things, I think, that really fit their personnel. Again, kind of like I talked about defensively, they're very unique in what they do and, and do it very well. They're always very tough to, to prepare for. Um, offensively, very multiple, you know, using the tight ends and the multiple shifts and motions and, 
And then, like I said, not to mention they've had some really good players. I mean, that's I can remember, I can remember for two two or three years NFL scouts coming in here, and the scouts always ask about your guys first. But then the very next question always is, "Hey, is there somebody you've played that you think's really good and nobody's paying attention to?" And I can't remember how many scouts that we and myself said, "You need to watch that Alan Lazard guy at Iowa State. That receiver's really good. Nobody's talking about him." I think the guy goes undrafted, and now he's lighting it up with Aaron Rodgers. So I mean, they've had some, they found and developed some really, really good players too. So uh, now they've, 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 he's done a tremendous job. Time for just a couple more. James the LCRF. Lincoln bubble screens. It seems like defenses have caught up to him a little bit. Do you still feel like bubble screen is an effective play in an offense in today's game? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. It's kind of right time, right place. Um, like any play, it requires good execution. I mean, it's when you when you execute them good, uh, they look good. When you don't execute them good, it's kind of out there right in the open for everybody to see. It's not like a run play that's kind of in a mass of bodies. So it's a little bit more when they're pretty, they're pretty. When they're ugly, they're they're ugly, you know, on display for everybody. So uh, now some people play them, you know, really well and make it tougher. But that's, I, you know, I think it's a good part of your package. I certainly don't think they're – they're uh, irrelevant. Gary Murdoch with Beaver Cube and WWF. Thank you, since you brought it up. Um, you know, that 2016 season, I, I did want to ask you about that. Kind of what you learned from Bob about being a head coach at Oklahoma, seeing him kind of navigate that one and two start that year. Yeah, no, no doubt. That was a tough start. Um, the team came, you know, we had – you know, really high expectations for that team and a lot of good players coming back after the way we had, you know, played there, especially the second half of the season in, in 2015. And, yeah, I remember it being just kind of a shock to our systems. I mean, nobody could even have imagined starting. I think we started one and two. I mean, you couldn't uh, – it, it was just a complete shock to everybody's systems. And it took some – it took some regrouping. And then even after that, it wasn't perfect. I mean, I still remind guys all the time. I mean, you think, well, we circled the wagons and had – I think we had an off week before we played Kansas, uh, TCU that year. And uh, and we go up to TCU and, bam, we're down like – I don't know, I would say like 21 to 7. I mean, just like that. And you're sort of thinking, man, we're, you know, maybe staring one and three right here in the face. And, and then, you know, we had some fight in us, rallied, came back, won that game. And, and then I, we didn't lose again the rest of the year. So, I mean, you can – you know, you can have that type of momentum, and and I think we have the type of team that is capable of doing that. Now, being like we've always said, being being capable of doing it and doing it are two completely different things. And so we're we're happy we have the capability, but there's a lot of work to be done. Thanks, Lincoln. And last question, Jason Kersey uh, from the Athletic. Yeah, Lincoln, we're obviously not seeing you behind the scenes, but both after the game and today, you seem like you're actually in pretty good mood. I'm just wondering if that's representative of what it's like around the program. Do you guys know that you're better than that? Uh, you guys just bring that out in me. Um, you're welcome. No, yeah, no, it's no, it's been a hard week. I mean, it is. It's uh, it's these aren't ever easy. I mean, they test you. I mean, I, I, I look forward to the challenge. I, each each deal is a challenge in its own way. I'd rather not have this challenge, um, but. I, I look forward to it. Our team looks forward to it. Our players look forward to it. Um, it's, it is what it is. It's our reality right now. We have to deal with it. And uh, so, no, it's not, it's not all fun and smiles. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not fun at all. But uh, the, the climb back up can be fun if we do it the right way. But we're going to have to really, really push and really grind each and every one of us to get that done.
Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Coach. That's all our time for today. All right. Thanks. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.